This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. I'm going to just kick into things this morning, but I want to speak about sharing God's glory. Um, so it was very interesting, the word that Nate brought this morning, because it was so in line with, with what I think God has been sharing with me and where he, what he wants to speak to us about this morning. Um, Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to tell you a secret. You've got to mean it. Now turn there to them and tell them again, I'm Gavin's favorite. Okay, because you're my favorite, you know what that means, of course. <clears throat> it means that everything that I'm saying today is probably more geared towards me than to you. But if the cap fits somewhere, I'm just saying. (laughs) Sometimes we hear things and it's not designed to criticize us, but it's an invitation to step into something that perhaps we weren't aware of or perhaps we've neglected in our life. And it becomes really important for us because I think that God is doing something quite profound in the church right at the moment. Not only living faith, but it's happening in America. There's an interesting phase that's gone through, and I think God has done a season of pruning, and now he's like, fine, now that we've pruned, now we fertilize, and now we nurture, and now we water, and now we give heat, because now we're looking for regrowth. So if you're sitting here, I've got good news for you. You're in a good place. It's important for us because I believe that God is doing something quite fundamental and I think that what he's doing is I think he's getting rid of so much stuff that's been superfluous in our life and been superfluous in the church. We got so comfortable that we started entertaining and embracing so much stuff that really had absolutely nothing to do with the reason and the purpose for the church's existence. And I think what God is saying is the reason that the country looks like it does is because we had nothing to offer him than a little bit of happiness and a pat on the back. This is for all those other people. It's the beach people again. It's those beach people. Marianne, I'm talking to you. I don't mean for it, and I don't want it to come across as something that's bad. It's actually something should be very exciting to you, because what I'm saying to you is this. God is going to use you in a very profound way going forward. The thing about it is this. This is something that I'm going to share a little bit, and there's a little bit of crossover between preaching, teaching, and sharing, and, and who I am, and what I believe, and what living faith is all about. And so I hope we get through it all today. Good grief is at the time. Is it, what is the time? Seriously? Oh, we got plenty of time. I hope you all brought a lunch. <laughs> this is my heart. Okay, and it's important because it translates into the vision for living faith. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I'm not going to teach you how to be a nice person. I'm not going to teach you how you need to go out there and how you need to start a, uh, a, a bank, a food bank. I, I'm not going to teach you how to go and, and shake people's hands really nicely and I'm not going to make your personality seem a whole lot better because really it has absolutely nothing to do with us. He loves you too much to leave you the way that you are, and you're inherently a danger to yourself. If you haven't discovered that, you will. 
he wants to do something in you because he wants to live his life through you. And I don't think that we fully, and I include me in this, I don't think we fully have an appreciation as to what that means. What it, in, what it means is God's life, the creator of the universe, living his existence through who you are. We are to become an open vessel for him. Which means it puts us in an interesting space. The place that we want to go to is we want to go to, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. If you want to know what your destiny is, I always say this, your destiny is spiritual. I'm to be conformed to his image. That's where I'm going. That's my end point. That's, that's what he's trying to do in my life. And if I'm able to partner with him in that, I'm able to work with him in how he's trying to do that. He's going to want to do some stuff in my life and change some stuff in my life. And so I've got to understand how he works. I've got to know some mechanics. Okay? He, he said something interesting to me, and it was, it was this. You need to know the mechanics because you need to know how I work. Because you have to have a foundation. The thing is, once you have a foundation, you're to build on it. Don't spend your life learning about the mechanics. Because you can become a hero of the word and not a doer. It's important that a lot of what we speak about is how God works and how we partner with him effectively so that we can step into that. But sometimes we think we've kind of, we've got it nailed and we've got it sorted out. We feel as though we've reached a point where we understand the things of God. And we may understand process but we, and we may understand mechanics, but unless we utilize them, nothing happens. So he said something to me. He said, I don't want you to focus on that anymore. This is for me personally. This isn't you. <laughs> He said, I want you to go, and I, he said, I want you to read the word. I said, what? He said, just go and read the word. Don't go and study it. Don't go and study it to try and understand mechanics. You, you, you've got enough. He said, I want you to utilize the mechanics so you start to build on the foundation. We have so many people who are church-going people who have such a love and a, and a heart for God. They truly love God. And they love who God is from what they understand of him. But their frame of reference and their point of, of understanding of God is that God is the sovereign being who lives in heaven. It's a place defined by who he is. It's a place defined by his, his life and his love. And, and they worship God in heaven. And they celebrate God in heaven. And they look forward to the day that because they're born again people, one day I get to go and I get to spend time in heaven with God. I pray to God who is in heaven. But for them, there is a big disconnect between their life and heaven and who he is. It becomes important because in Matthew chapter 6 when Jesus spoke and he said, I'm going to teach you how to pray. What he said is, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It becomes important because what he's saying is this. You may know the God who lives up there and you may know the sovereign being who's up and, and removed from us. But I need for you to understand that the invitation that he's inviting you into is something called fatherhood. Which means I'm wanting to be an integral part of your life. It's not enough to have heaven up there when we're looking for kingdom come. Yeah. 
We are looking how to bring heaven to earth. Bringing heaven to earth becomes our responsibility because it offers us the opportunity to engage with God in the world in which we find ourselves. So it becomes really important for us to begin to know what is God doing and how do I partner with him in that. It becomes so fundamental because I don't think we've really done a good job of it. I'm talking about the church as a whole. Because you know what? I don't think we have created the generation that he intended. We are not a peculiar people. But we are getting there. The point is, the people that he's looking for and the generation that he's looking for is a people who are defined by the life of God living through me. It is Christ in me being expressed through me, producing fruit in my life, so that people, when they come in contact with me, there is a transformation and there is a change that takes place in them and in their life and in their circumstances. And even if they're not able to sit and say, I see God, it's something that is so profound in their life that they sit and say, there's something magnetic about what you're all about. That's what makes you peculiar. Sometimes we thought peculiarity is part of the lunatic fringe that goes with spirituality. Don't be weird. Weird doesn't make us peculiar. Weird makes you weird. Please stay grounded in the things of God. Anytime you do something that demands attention, or people do that, it should be a red flag to you. It's not about you. It's not about other people. It's about him. Anytime we're attracting attention to myself, that's not a good place to be. He's not going to do weird stuff. When I say that, there are times where God works in peculiar ways, but there will be a peace on the inside of you that it's okay. The thing about it is when you go out into the world and the world wants nothing to do with you, the problem rests with you, not with the world. Because the interesting thing was when Jesus went out into the world, they flocked to him. I'm just telling us that because it's something to consider in walking forward. Being a spiritual person is not a license to be a world person. A spiritual person is a person who lives from that place where they sit and say, God, I'm an open vessel available to you. Use me. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen overnight. And the reason it's not going to happen overnight is because God requires process. And I'll tell you why he requires process. Because I know you were about to ask that, weren't you, Rafa? You were just getting seated. It requires process. When you got born again, you got to a place where you recognized who he was and there was something on the inside of you that, was, uh, that found it appealing and wanted it and said, I need that in my life. There was a hunger for the things of God and immediately it was like, I want to enter into a relationship with him. And the moment you did that, the moment you confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart, what ended up happening is you became a new creation in Christ. There was something that instantaneously took place in your life. The life of God flooded your spirit and you became a brand new creation everything up until that point passed away and you became brand new that was instantaneous but God doesn't want to be locked in a cupboard God's not interested in being locked in the spirit realm God is interested in getting engaged in your world God wants to come out of the spirit realm and God is looking to be a part of the natural realm 
as a result of that, what God says is, I need a channel so that I can bridge what is spiritual and I can introduce it to the natural. That's you. The thing that you have on the inside of you that is going to take who he is and what his nature is all about is called your beliefs. They are sacred. They belong to him. What it means is, guard your heart. What he's saying is, that thing that defines who you are, you do not have the right and the prerogative to let anything in your world, or your circumstances, or your situations, or your history, or other people's beliefs or opinions to define who you are. You have one responsibility in that, and that belongs to him. When my beliefs belong to him, what ends up happening is, I'm living from a space where I'm saying, I'm looking for definition, God. Talk to me about what's happening in this place. I don't want to get the definition for what's happening here from what other people think. My circumstances, my situations are telling me all kinds of stuff. My history and magazines and Oprah and everybody else has got an opinion about this. I'm looking for definition from you. What am I doing? I'm sitting saying, speak to me. Why is it important? Because he says, if you hear my words, my words are what? You see, I don't even need to be up here. Spirit and life. What is he saying? I'm taking something from the closet. I'm taking something that's spiritual. And I'm going to impart it to you. Who are you? You're a natural being. You were designed and created to live in a natural environment. I'm taking something that's spiritual. And I'm using your belief system to plant a seed inside of your life. And the seed that's being planted on the inside of you is spirit and life. Give it time to grow. Not everything in Christianity is instantaneous. Your salvation is. Period. Some miracles are, and some are not. Your growth and development is not. He refers to it as renewing the mind. Do you know what he's talking about? He's talking about who I am and what I'm all about. The very love of who I am that flooded your spirit and defines that space. The life of who I am, you have no clue about. But if you will give me your belief system, I will take spirit and life and I will put it on the inside of you. And as it seeds the inside of you, take care of it. Make sure the soil of your heart is receptive because it's going to start to grow. First the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. It's not immediate. What's happening? He's sitting saying, I put all of who I am and redefined your spirit. But I want you to know the way that it moves from my spirit into your being is through your belief systems. As you managing and moving your way through life and you meeting with people, as you meeting in circumstances and situations, as you facing trials and challenges, everything that you're facing, I'm going back to him and I'm sitting saying, I need another piece of you. I'm entering a realm here that I haven't been before. Give me something of you that gives definition to what this space should look like. As I journey through life, I have the opportunity to change who I am, to reflect who he is. And the invitation is for that to begin to redefine what I'm all about. In Mark chapter 2, oh, what did I do with my water? In Mark chapter 2, um, it speaks about the parable about the wineskin. And what he's talking about in the wineskin is this. 
This is my paraphrased version. What I'm going to do in your life, you don't have capacity for. You think you can manage it. You think you can change it. You think you can hold on to me. You think you can change the way that you are so that you can accommodate what I'm all about. But really, you need a new wineskin. I need to get rid of you and I need to get rid of your thinking. I need to get rid of all of that stuff so that what I can do is I can put something new on the inside that has the capacity to hold what it is that I'm wanting to do through you. You see, God... is a limitless God. But everything that he created comes with limitations. We are beings with limitations. And because we're limited, we don't have the capacity to adequately express a limitless God. The ceiling of our life is established by the image that we have on the inside of us. So when we walk into different circumstances and situations, the image that we have of us, of that situation or circumstance, sets a ceiling for us. I believe I can do this and nothing more. Who I am, in many ways, becomes a hindrance to what God wants to do. Because I'm using my limited capacity in that situation. I'm being withheld and and I'm being, um, uh, I find myself inhibited as a result of my limitations. And what he's saying is, your identity and the image that you have does not have the capacity to be able to be fully expansive and express who I am. So what he says to us is this, I want you to take the limits of God. I want you to take the limits off God. And he says, the way that you do that is by getting out of the way. You see, you come with so much baggage and you come with so much definition from the world that what ends up happening is I'm always getting the way of what he's wanting to do. So what he introduces us to the whole idea, I've been crucified with Christ. What is he saying? Get out of the way. If you want me to live through you, stop always getting involved with, well, I think this, and my opinion is this. Well, I don't feel comfortable with that. Well, I wasn't taught that when I went to Sunday school. I didn't see Noah do that when he built his ark. What he's saying is, your ideas and everything that you come to, to the party with are irrelevant. Do away with the old skin. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. You see, when Christ starts to live in you, the capacity that comes with his wineskin is far larger than what you can offer. What he's saying is, make space. Make space, because Christ is coming into this place. Stop trying to take your own wineskin and adapt it and mold it and modify it and patch it and put little things here and there and put it back through the sewing machine, because it's not going to be able to hold the capacity of who he is. No matter what you do, it's not by your works or your ability. Get out of the way. Get out of the way. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I have a new wineskin 
The capacity of my life has shifted and changed. The capacity of my life has moved because all of a sudden the limitations have been taken off. All of a sudden I don't have the ceiling that I used to have because it's no longer defined by me. It's defined by Christ. What are you going to do in this situation? I don't know. Let me go and ask him. If we limit it to what I'm going to do, you just put the ceiling back on. It's not about me. It's about what could he do in this space? Now I've opened up possibilities to my life that never existed before. I'm stepping into who he truly called us to be. I'm realizing it what it is to live in partnership with him. Me dying so that he can live. Um, In John chapter 14. I had it here somewhere. Hmm? Thank you, Donna. John chapter 14. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it'll be sufficient for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you for so long and yet you have not known me? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am the Father, that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. What I want you to get from this is understand that Jesus is modeling for us how we are to live. Okay? This is our model. What he's saying is this If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And Philip's like, Jesus, you Jesus. And he's like, wake up. (laughs) He says to him, understand this. Stop looking at the person and have a look at what's happening through my life. When you see what's happening in my life, I'm evidencing to you the fact that there is something greater that's alive on the inside of me. I'm evidencing to you that the partnership between the Father and me is so intimate and it's so close that redefinition has taken place. And I'm not the person I used to be. I've become defined by him and his possibilities. You see, the Jesus wineskin was replaced by Christ the anointed one. Jesus, Yeshua, the Savior, was only able to realize his purpose when he stepped into Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He starts with that, but then he, so what he's really saying to us is this. Understand the importance of our relationship with God. The relationship with God is is designed to be one that is all-consuming. God is not satisfied coming in and having his life in your spirit and living in the closet. 
God is wanting to come out of the closet and he's wanting to affect every part of your life. Your heart, your soul, your thoughts, your emotions, your decisions, your being, your flesh, every part of it. That's ultimately the goal. It's called being run over by love. That's what he's wanting to do. So he says, because of that, and because I understand that the capacity of my life will be fully extended and will be limitless when I move to a place where I allow the Father to redefine me, I'm going to tell you the mechanism okay, for doing this. I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Do you know what he's saying? Jesus was never born again. He didn't have to get born again. Because Jesus was born with the life of God on the inside of him. The Holy Spirit came upon Mary and she conceived. From his earliest times, Jesus was, Jesus from his very conception had the life of God on the inside of him. His spirit was in communion with God. He had the life of God in the inside of him. But Jesus was a man. Jesus may have had God, God's life in his spirit. But let me ask you a question. What was Jesus doing for 30 years before he started his ministry? What I would propose to you is this. He was renewing his mind. Jesus didn't have to do that. He was God. Remember this. Jesus was 100% man and 100% God. Do you know that you are 100% man and you have God on the inside of you? The moment you get born again, the life of God comes and dwells on the inside of you. But he came into this world as flesh and blood, as man. And the thing about it is, he had God on the inside of him. But he had to connect with God on the inside of him. God who was spiritual was sitting saying I need to come out of the spiritual space and I'm wanting to redefine who you are I'm wanting to redefine how you think I'm wanting to make you come to a place where who you are in your soulish realm is totally flooded and totally overwhelmed by what I am and who I am and what happens as a result of that is Jesus became a fully synchronized and integrated human being God and man in one He knew exactly what the father wanted to do. He established a solid foundation of which he was able to live, of which he could go and do things. Why? It's not me that does them. You see, part of the process was, I am in the father. What he was saying was, spiritually, his life dwells on the inside of me. But he said, that's not all. The father dwells in me. What is that all about? The father has come out of the closet. And the father is in a place where he's redefined my soulish realm. He's invaded that space. It positioned him at a place where what he could do is he could move into a space where he was anointed by John. All of a sudden his ministry could start. Because then he wasn't only connected with the father on the inside of him, but he had the Holy Spirit, which is power as well. And then he says something really interesting. He says, if all of that isn't enough to convince you, he says, judge me by my works. 
Okay, so just hold on to your seat, okay? Because this is as much for me as it is for anybody else. If we have faith, and we understand faith is the life of the spirit that has been birthed in the soul, and I'll explain this in more detail, and that is faith, okay? We cannot have faith without actions any more than you can have motion without movement. made me realize something I don't think we've scratched the surface of faith we like the principle of faith we are find it very appealing and we, we even perhaps have an understanding as to what faith can do and the possibilities that it brings but the degree to which we live from that I think has been extremely limited If we understand that faith is the life of Christ in my spirit that's taken up residence in my soul, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. At this stage, I'd be happy with something, let alone all things. (laughs) What am I saying? I don't know that we've really walked into faith the way that God intended which is so exciting because it means that that's not all to your Christianity. So if you find yourself a little bit unsettled with where you are, if you find that you have an appetite for more, I've got great news for you. We haven't even started in on faith. I think that there were certain people in history and when you go and read their autobiographies, they began to move into that space more than I ever have. And they began to understand it. And they began to participate in it in ways that I ever have. But it's exciting because what it says is, it's available to us. The thing is, I've got to give it some process. I can't get born again today and think that I'm going to be Catherine Coleman tomorrow. I'm not saying that it gives us license not to do anything. What I am saying is this. I think that it takes a life of commitment. It takes a life of dedication. And it takes a life that sits and says, you know what? I have an appetite for something more. And Holy Spirit, I'm looking to be redefined in this space by you. I'm wanting for you to do some stuff in me because I'm wanting to walk into a deeper dimension and experience. I'm wanting to encounter more of you. I'm wanting to get rid of some of the stuff that's about me because I really want to experience what it is to live by faith the way that you intended. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 10 says that you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works you know what it's saying it's saying you were created to be a branch you were created to be a branch you don't have to work hard at being a branch you are a branch you were created to be one 
What we have to do is we have to get to the place where the branch gets connected to the vine and begins to live from that space. The sun shines without having to work terribly hard at it. Because it's, it's living from its purpose. Your eyes work and see because it's their purpose. The new creation in Christ is designed to bear fruit because that's what it's made for. That's what it's made for. As we connect with him, what ends up happening is he's going to start to do some stuff in our life and his life is going to flood us and he's going to move from, our, from the spirit realm into our soulish realm and start to redefine that space and give us opportunities to live from a place that we've never lived from before. And the result of that is my life is going to start to bear fruit, not because of who I am, but because Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ in me is the hope of potential and opportunities that I haven't really experienced up to this point. It becomes important because in God's macro plan for things, you have an important role to play as a fruit bearer. As a fruit bearer, people want to eat from your life. And if you want to know what that looks like, have a look at Jesus' life. In Matthew chapter 9, the woman with the issue of blood, what happens? She spent all of her money on everything that she could to try and get well and healed. and Nothing worked. Nothing worked! But she saw Jesus. It wasn't Jesus that attracted her. It was Christ, the anointing, that attracted her. It was what was on the inside of him that was alive, that was magnetic to her because she saw in him the ability to bring about change and transformation in a way that she could never experience outside of that. What she was saying was, if I can touch Jesus, I'll touch the anointing. If I can touch Jesus, I'll be able to partake of the fruit. And if I partake of the fruit, I won't be the same. Be careful. People will chase you down the hallways at work. (laughs) You heal one person at work and see what happens. See what happens. What am I saying? We're to be fruit bearers. We're to be fruit bearers. Acts chapter 3 tells the story of Peter and Peter's walking along and they've been in the upper room and all of the stuff has gone on and the Holy Spirit has fallen and mayhem has gone all over the place and they leave this place and they were never the same and he's walking along the street and he comes to the gate beautiful and there is a beggar there he's crippled begging for arms and what did Peter say to him silver and gold have I none but such as I have give I unto thee what was he saying I'm not going to give you something that's natural which maybe will give you lunch but I'll tell you what I can give you I can give you the fruit of my life which will change your beings you are asking for arms but I gave you legs that was a weak funny one but anyway the point of it was this He gave him something which was not of himself. 
He gave him something which was from the life on the inside of him. And the result of that is he would never be the same. Not because he was able to walk, but because he touched something which all of a sudden added life to him. And he was like, what was that? The problem with the church is this. Every time we go past the gate, beautiful. You know what? What we say is, such as I have, give I unto thee. And we give them silver and gold. The church has dissolved into a charity. I'm all about helping people. Jesus was all about helping people. But that wasn't the mission. The mission was so that I recognized the life on the inside of me. And I was supposed to be a person that walked around so that the places that I went, people had a look and they said, I want the fruit from your life. Touch me. Get involved. Pray for me. Do something. Because that's what I want. I want what's inside you. We thought that we could just help them if we gave them a hearty shake. Well done. All the best for the week ahead. Take a loaf of bread. So we open soup kitchens and we give clothing to the poor and we have bake sales to raise money and we do all kinds of stuff that the church gets involved in. And if you go and speak to the world, you know what the world says? If you're looking for a handout, if you're looking for charity, this is the address of my local church. We've missed it. Why? Because we didn't understand the commission. We thought that we had to take care of the world. He never asked you to take care of the world. He said, I'm asking you to die to yourself so that I can live through you. You see, if we don't die to ourselves, all you can do is take care of the world. I wish you all the best. Man, if you need somebody to talk to, give me a call. We'll have a big rah-rah session together. There's nothing wrong with these things. It's important to have support structures in place. That's not the point. The point that I'm talking about is this. If we're talking about Northern Virginia being saved, if we want to fulfill our purpose, if we want to believe and, and that God wants to fulfill the vision of living faith that Northern Virginia will be saved, we're not going to do it by doing programs. We don't need more programs. We need Christ. The thing is, my heart is to raise a different generation. A whole group of people who sit and say, you, we've got enough food banks. I don't need another food bank. If I can show you and introduce you to Jesus, he'll touch your life. You won't have to live at the food bank. Teach people how to fish and they won't come begging for fish. People are going to have challenges. We have challenges. I have challenges in my life. Don't feel bad if you have challenges. That's life. The fact of the matter is this. Where do you go to to find answers? I'm wanting to stir you up a little bit this morning. I'm wanting to shake some thinking on the inside of you. I'm wanting you to turn your back on some things and sit and say, I'm looking for something deeper. I don't want to be a nice person. Good if you are, you will be if when you find Christ. The fact of the matter is if that's your goal, you've missed it. I don't need to just be nice and happy. Because at some point you're going to explode and people will go, and she calls herself a Christian. God does amazing things. And God uses people that I scratch my head at. He does. 
I can promise you, I, 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 I don't understand it. But I'm not God. I don't have to worry about that. I just got my own race. And I've got enough in my own race. I'll take care of that. What I'm saying to you is this. Don't think you can be disqualified. Believe me. The one thing about God is he loves to have people who've gotten all kinds of stuff in their past. Because you know what? It becomes such a testimony to him. When you walk into places and you do some stuff, when you walk into places and you deliver some stuff, when you walk into people and you set those who are oppressed and depressed free, when you do some stuff that nobody else can do, all of a sudden people sit and say, and that was him. He was the most rotten person I ever met. Why? Because I'm moving to a place where I'm changing some stuff. I'm not trying to be a better person. I'm just trying to die. I'm trying to die. If you have a look at John chapter, where did I want to go with this? Where did I want to go with this? Okay, Donna, we will read it. Um, Let me do, I want to do something first and then do Ephesians 3, 14 to 19. Let, let me just speak about something first. Christ, Christ's life being born in your spirit will guarantee your destiny. But when Christ's life is birthed in your soul, you'll bring heaven to earth. The reason so many Christians are dissatisfied is because they're born again. They've encountered God. They have the life on the inside of them. The problem with it is it's never gone beyond that. And they're frustrated because they love God. They know God. They know they've been born again. They can sense the Holy Spirit on the inside of them. But I'm not able to walk into any dimension of bringing heaven to earth. You got born again. That term has significance. When the life of God came to live in you, it wasn't because you tried to become a better person. What Christ said was, spiritually, the wineskin's not going to work. Throw it out. What's of me has to be birthed in you. It has to be birthed in you. Because it's of him. The same principle applies. When we move to a place where our heart, our soul, our mind gets born again, Christ is going to birth something in you. That's why it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. What is it saying? It's saying, get out of the way. Because he's going to birth something inside of me that is of him. Remember what he's trying to do. The fullness of everything that he is and the glory of who he is is fully resident in my spirit. But he's wanting to take what is spirit and he's wanting to introduce it to what is natural. He's wanting to take what is spirit, but spirit in and of itself without having a foundation in the natural realm, it struggles to have influence. You don't see the Holy Spirit just kind of wandering around and then ding with a wand and stuff happens. 
He works through people. Why? Because he's taking what's spiritual, he's implanting it inside of who they are, and he's inviting them into action. He's going to work through that. He's going to burst some stuff on the inside of you. The reason that our beliefs become important is because we're taking spirit and life, and we're allowing that to redefine my heart and what I'm all about. And I nurture that, and I take care of that, and I let that grow. Because why? What is implanted on the inside of me is going to redefine who I am. What's implanted on the inside of me is of his nature. It is a piece of Christ inside of who I am. Quite literally, this is how I get to experience Christ in me, the hope of glory. What he's saying is, it's not just some airy-fairy thing, some nebulous-like good rah-rah thing to get you excited about stuff. He's not even talking about Christ in you spiritually. He's talking about Christ redefining your heart. I'll prove it to you in a minute. He's changing your heart. Why? Because he wants you to realize and have an appreciation for the fact that it is Christ in me that's the hope of glory. Christ resident in my thinking and my emotions and my heart and my decision making. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Ephesians chapter 3. Um, and let's read from verse 14, Donna. Yes. For this reason, I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant to you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Hold on a second. That you be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. What he's saying is his spirit is going to do something in your inner man. Your inner man is not your spirit. If you look at that in the original Greek, what it speaks about is it speaks about the consciousness of men. It's talking about your heart. It's talking about your soul. What he's saying is I'm in the process of doing something to make you a bearer of fruit. And I'm doing something, the spirit is doing, we can carry on Donna, doing something in your inner man, your heart, to do that. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I have to say that again. Did you hear that? That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Hold on, we'll get back to it. You think this is why faith is not of us. It has nothing to do with us. Faith is the life of the Spirit. It's the life of Christ that is evidenced and taken root and is found life in the heart. It's the life of the Spirit living in the soul. Who is it? It's Christ. That's why we sit and say it's not just some nature that comes in and does some stuff. It's not just a rah-rah thing. It's not just faith. It's not just hope. It's not just joy. You do understand that what he's saying to you is Christ is being born on the inside of you. And every time he's starting to come out of that space, it's like a chicken coming out of an egg. And he's moving himself out. And you see the beak and then it starts to come. It's getting its head. What's happening? All of a sudden, I'm starting to realize more of who he is and the faith and the joy and the love. And what's happening? I'm experiencing parts of who, of who he is because Christ is being born on the inside of me. 
It's not just about knowing Christ. Quite literally, it's about Christ being born in you. Okay, carry on, Donna. You're slow now. Come on. (laughs) Being rooted and grounded in love. What is he talking about? Faith is the... Grounded and rooted in? Who is love? Christ. Christ. The only reason I say that is because God is too... It's open to interpretation. Christ. Your foundation is Christ. Christ is my faith. Christ is my foundation. I'm grounded and rooted in him. Faith is the substance, the grounding and the rooting of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. I know he's in there. Whether you see him or not, whether you're aware of him or not, is irrelevant. Watch me by my works. Judge me by my works and you'll see the Father in me. That he may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. It's not about your understanding. Anytime you think that I'm going to put together a little formula as to how I'm going to live God's plan for my life, you're out in left field. Unfortunately, there are too many churches that you'll find in that place. They're teaching you how to live from him. How to understand how to be a good Christian. This is why the church is in trouble. It has nothing to do... Go and remind the pastor. You should be dead! And I'm trying to die! Stop trying to raise me up! I don't want to be a good person. I want to die. I want Christ to come and live in that space. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. That you may may be filled with the fullness of God. Right there. Filled with the fullness of God. Do you know what he's telling you? It's my end game. This is what I'm trying to do with you. I want you to be filled with the fullness of God. And this is how you do it. I will do a work in you that's instantaneous. And I will be in and you will find yourself in me. But I want to be in you. And in order for me to be in you, you have to be at a place where you move out of the way. You must be at a place where you're prepared to die. You must be at a place where you recognize the fact that this wineskin can't do some stuff that God wants to do. That I need for him to come into that place. To allow him to move into that space. To allow what is of him to take definition and life and begin to grow in that space and what we call that is faith it's Christ in me you know why it becomes so important because when you read 1 John chapter 5 verse 4 it says this is the victory that overcomes the world even our faith it's not about you it's what's inside of you that overcomes the world That's why when we have faith as a, it's like pregnancy. You either are or you're not. I'm just a little pregnant. Nah. I'm quasi pregnant. Nah. You are or you're not. Which one is it? There's some things in life that are black and white. 
Even though the world tells you they're not. If you have faith or you don't. What it's saying is this. When you get to a place where his life is born in you in a particular area of your life, you will be able to move mountains in that space. Why? Because it's not about me. He's alive in there. And he can do some stuff. He carries with him the victory that I don't carry. The ceiling has been taken off. The limits have been taken off God. And I can experience and I can participate in some stuff that I could never do on my own. And so we start to have a whole fresh appreciation and value for faith. Because faith is not about me trying to pluck up the courage and the ability and to motivate myself to do stuff. All of a sudden I recognize faith is an expression of the life of Christ grounded and rooted in my soul. Growing in that space with regularity. Do you know why you come to church? Because church is a, should be a place that expounds and shows you a million ways to die. Because church should be a place where you come in, where you experience something that happens corporately that you don't get when you're watching it on television. It becomes important for us because the things of God are not our kinds of things. And he works in ways that he really doesn't care about how we want to do things. We either partner with him or he just keeps right on marching. It's not because he doesn't love you. He'll always make provision if you want to get back in. But he doesn't deviate to accommodate the fact that you want to go a different way. There is no expression of grace outside of faith. The fullness of grace is expressed through faith. Because it's all about him and who he is. If you want to realize your full potential, become a faith giant. And so it puts us on a springboard that makes us exciting. It puts us at a place where we sit and say, where do we want to go in our relationship with God? The possibilities are endless. Don't limit him. Take the shackles off. Become a person who's hungry for the graveyard. Hungry to die. Why? Because when I step out of a space, I create a vacuum for him to come in. He, he will not move into that place as long as I'm inhabiting it. God, would you believe... Your belief is so important because your belief is the channel through which things that are spiritual are introduced into your soulish realm, into the natural realm. The possibilities of God are going to be introduced into you before you ever experience them in the world. You may experience them through somebody else praying for you, but that's how they got it. Develop a, a hunger and an appetite to be a fruit bearer. What does it look like in your place of work? 
as a teacher, do they come to you for guidance? Or do they come to you because you can make an impartation into them which transcends the natural? If you're a nurse, do they just rely on you for your medication? Or there or are there opportunities to introduce something greater to their life that perhaps they didn't even realize was coming their way? What does it look like in a business environment? I don't know. But he can tell you. God wants to live an intimate relationship with us. Having him in, as, a born, as a born again believer and having him living in me guarantees my future. My destiny is heaven. But if you're looking for something more intimate and if you're looking for a more personal, engaging and rewarding relationship with God, open your heart to him and let him flood that space. Can we all stand? Punch your neighbor. Tell them, I told you I was his favorite. (laughs) Tell them, I'm I'm sorry he was speaking to you, but I'm going to pray for you this week. (laughs) Jesus, we just want to thank you that you love us so very much, that you're not satisfied with anything but everything. I thank you that you have such a passion for who we are. You just want to invade our lives, every aspect of who we are and what we're all about. I want to thank you, Father, for Jesus and what he offers us. I want to thank you for the possibilities of a new wineskin. I pray for hungry hearts this week. At Holy Spirit, you will flood them with the life of Christ. You know what people need this week. And as they turn to you in their need, I ask you, Holy Spirit, to flood that place with Christ's answers, Christ's life, Christ's love, Christ's power. I thank you for the anointing and for transformation. I thank you, Father, for fruit bearers. I thank you that you're raising a generation of people who are peculiar people who live from a different place, people who live from intimacy of relationship with you, people who know what it is and have participated in Christ in me, the hope of glory. I want to thank you that the victory is resident inside of us. And as we get grounded and rooted in that, as we establish ourselves in a foundation called Christ, the possibilities of our lives shift.
Sometimes meetings like this are hard to end because I can't pray for you to get it. There are some things that are only gifted in relationship. And you have to move into that space. I I can't pray for you to get what we're talking about. But what I can promise you is this. If you act out of hunger, he will meet you. And he will impart to you. If you're a person who's out there today and you're going through struggles, my word of encouragement to you would be this. Discover the secret place and live in that space. The secret place is that area of your heart that's been defined by Christ and who he is take your issues to him take your problems to him take your cares to him and the Holy Spirit will give you something and what he gives you you hold on to and you live from that space because circumstances are going to be tumultuous and circumstances may roar and circumstances may be loud but you hold on to what he's given you He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of my God, He is my refuge and my fortress, my strength. My God in Him will I trust. If you're going through something and you want somebody to pray with you and to believe with you and to exercise their faith with you, don't leave without getting that prayer. I would encourage you. Come to the front and let people pray for you. It's a good thing to do. As homework, because I have to give you homework. I've given you some mechanics. Now go and spend some time with him. Spend some time with him. And let him use those to influence. Have a fabulous week.